You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Of music to the Lord. Um, if you're a guest here this morning, we're so glad that you have come to uh, worship the Lord with this expression of His body. And uh, you make yourself at home, let the Lord speak to you, because I know He wants to do that. Um, and we're going to let the kids go to children's ministry in just a minute. But um, during the Christmas season, um, we always um, light a candle every week, have a, a family or a member of our uh, congregation uh, come and light a candle and share a little bit about how they um, celebrate uh, Christmas. And it's always been really uh, interesting and inspiring just to hear other people's stories, uh, just different backgrounds, places that they come from, things that they do with their kids um, to, uh, to celebrate something that we, uh, we all have a small part in participating in. Uh, and this morning we have uh, special uh, visitors, guests with us, members actually, not just visitors, um, Philip and Social and their kids, and they're going to come and uh, light uh, one of the Advent candles and share a little bit about their uh, Christmas in Nicaragua. So let's give them a good uh, welcome. For us, it's a, it's a joy. Uh, every, every family is a coming together of two different traditions and cultures, and uh, that's no exception in our case. Uh, Sochil's from El Salvador, and most of the times we celebrate Christmas in El Salvador with Sochil's family. And so for us, it's, it's really fun to get to see uh, how different nations celebrate Christmas, and we're all celebrating the same king. And Amen. in El Salvador, um, they celebrate Christmas on the eve of when Christ came, you know. And so um, we usually get together with all the family, and we'll, we'll go to a, a church service um, and uh, be together uh, that evening at, at church, and we'll come back and we'll have dinner together as a family. And all of Sochil's extended family will come by and visit the home and, and, and say hi to her mom and to her family, and uh, we'll get to spend the whole evening together as a family and then at midnight things get a little crazy <laughs> and uh, in, in El Salvador as well as in Nicaragua and I imagine most of Latin America on Christmas Eve at midnight they set off a whole bunch of fireworks uh, but they're not like these little uh, you know little fireworks that we got here they're like these big M80s <laughs> they're like half a stick of dynamite and they're just throwing them out in the street and so I've gotten really into that too as well and <laughs> And uh, we don't get to have the Christmas star, but we have the Christmas explosions. So that's uh, a joy. And then uh, we come back inside after that, and uh, we all open gifts together. We exchange gifts. And, um, and then we uh, usually will maybe watch a, a Christmas movie after that. So it ends up being a long night. And uh, we'll see how the twins do this year with that, uh, getting exposed to some 
uh, loud noises. So, um, and then the next morning, we also have uh, Sochil's sister married another guy, uh, one guy from the United States. So we also try and bring in uh, some American uh, traditions of celebrating Christmas. And we'll have a breakfast together. And at their house, we'll open gifts as well in the morning on Christmas morning. So it's really fun to get to see all the different uh, traditions and, and celebrate Christ together um, uh, in that way. So, Share a little bit about Yale's work in Nicaragua. Yeah. So I actually met my wife, Sochil, in, in Nicaragua. She's from El Salvador. And we work together in, in, in Nicaragua with uh, Youth with a Mission. And we get to see um, how the Lord is reaching that nation. And in the community that we're working in, it's exciting to see how young people are getting uh, exposed to Christ's love through the elementary school. We have kindergarten through uh, ninth grade school. And we also have Bible training school for uh, young people who are wanting to get involved in missions. And so um, for us in the past, it's been really neat to have teams come from Tyler Christian Fellowship and to see the fruit, even long-term fruit, of the work they've done. I think of, was it like five, six years ago, Josh, you came with a team? And there was a young man that accompanied us. He was in a, a scholarship program there with the, at the high school. And he accompanied us with a ministry that we were doing in the local prison. And in that prison, uh, Josh shared his testimony uh, of how God brought redemption to, to, his, to his family. And um, basically, as they gave their lives to the Lord, to see then all their children uh, being born and walking um, in, in, in knowing the Lord. Well, that young Mar man, Martin, had um, basically, um, he was in a really difficult time. He had just gotten his girlfriend pregnant, and he was like 15 or 16 at that time. And so he was kind of contemplating his life, of what he was going to do as a young father um, who still, you know, was finishing high school, basically. And, but when he heard Josh's testimony of how God brought forth redemption um, uh, in his life, he said, you know what, maybe God can do that for me as well. So it's so neat now on Thursday nights, we have worship times uh, at the Wyoming campus, and we have young people coming in from the community and worshiping the Lord with us. And he's always coming uh, there uh, himself and, uh, uh, and the mom, whose name is Claudia, and their little boy, who's like five now. And they're, they're in the evenings. And he's finishing um, uh, school, uh, college. She's finishing her nursing program. And their little boy is, is growing up hearing about the Lord. So I just wanted to share that to, to encourage you guys that the work that you guys have done in Nicaragua is, is really bringing forth fruit. And we're, we're, uh, we get the joy of just getting to be there and see the fruit of, of your labor. So Amen. thanks so much for letting us be a part of of your family here at TCF. Amen. Good. So um, you asked us to share uh, from Scripture. Luke chapter 1. So we're going to read. Did we, I think we left the, our digital Bible back there. Can I read from this you one bet. here? Yep. You know, last year we were in Nicaragua <laughs> celebrating Christmas. We couldn't travel. Socha was very pregnant with the twins they were actually born on december 26th so early in december such was praying lord let them be born after christmas so i can sort of enjoy christmas in a relaxed way and so uh they ended up being born the very next day after christmas so that was a real answer to prayer so this is ian that i have here and Suchel has matthew 
and you guys have already met, uh, this is Rebecca, and there's Michaela. They were all four born in Nicaragua, and so they all have um, triple citizenship with Nicaragua, El Salvador, and the United States. So we're going to read together from Luke chapter 1. It's uh, 26, I think. Okay, starting in verse 26. You're going to read? All right. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary and coming in he said to her hail favored one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that there is nothing impossible for you. We thank you, God, that each of our lives is a testimony, Lord, of, of your redeeming work. That you come, God, and you make all things new. We thank you, God, that you are the God of all hope. You are the God of joy. We thank you, God, that we can celebrate your joy in this season. God, we ask that it would not be just in this month of December that we remember your faithfulness, but that we would remember you all year, God. That we would always remember that you are a God who does new things. And we ask, God, that you would continue to do those new things in our lives, and in our families, in our communities, God, as we continue to say yes to you. God, help us always to say yes to you. We thank you, Lord. You are wonderful. Amen. 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 Good. So be sure and uh, stay for the um, for the dinner that we have or lunch that we have prepared, and you can talk to uh, Philip and Social and learn a lot more about. Um, about what they're doing in Nicaragua and uh, help us to make plans for when we go in, uh, in June of next year. So, okay, we're going to let the kids go to children's ministry. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that same scripture that uh, Philip was reading from in uh, Luke chapter 1. 
This is the uh, first Sunday of Advent, and um, some people are used to celebrating Advent, some people are not. Um, I think it's a great way to kind of bring a, a year to an end, and also to prepare us for the coming year um, with just a season and a sense of awe and, uh, and wonder. Uh, are any of you guys feeling that about Christmas this year? I know, sometimes it's like, that's the opposite of what you're feeling. You're feeling a little bit of anxiety and, you know, stress and, you know, and things like that about the things that you need to get done. But I think that um, it's not hard for kids to have a sense of uh, awe and wonder. And there may, may have been a time in your life when it wasn't, wasn't uh, so far away um, to have that sense of, uh, of wonder. And um, that's what I want to share about uh, during Advent this year. Um, is what it's like when God steps into our world. And there, are, there is a necessary sense of, um, of amazement that we, we have to have in order to fully walk in what God has for us. Um, because when the spirit world invades the physical world, it is incredible. And it is, it is memorable. And it should be uh, memorable. And so that's what I want to talk about during this season. What, what child is this? And today I want to talk about uh, Mary and Joseph and the question that uh, Mary asked the angel, how can these things be? And, um, and that's just one of those questions that it indicates how deeply um, sort of perplexed she was about how this could possibly come about. Um, it's unlikely that God would have chosen her She's just a regular person from, uh, just a regular Jewish girl. She's not a princess. She's not, a, you know, high in authority uh, or any of those things. She's already got plans. She's already got plans. And what this angel is talking to her about is going to completely turn those things upside down. This is not just a, you know, an alternate path in her life. This is a complete abandonment of what her plans were and a complete taking up of a whole new thing that you have no idea Number one, whether you're qualified for it, and number two, how are you going to accomplish this, you know? And so she asked that question, and that really sticks in my heart. I've been thinking a lot about, about this, and uh, thinking a lot about how I was experiencing the Lord when I first came to the Lord. And I know I've shared my testimony many, many times from the pulpit, because that's where it all flows from, from me. It, it flows from that, um, that seminal experience. Even though I had known of God before and I had believed in God before, there came a time in my life when I took some steps that totally transformed me and totally transformed my conception of who God was. And basically that was just saying to God, you're in charge. Instead of saying I believe in you or I believe you as if I was doing him a favor, I put myself under his authority and he became Lord in my life. And that was a transformative uh, thing that happened. And I've told you many times before also, I don't think I would have stuck if it was just rules and regulations or a code of conduct or, you know, an ideal type of lifestyle that I tried to accomplish myself. I guarantee you I wouldn't have stuck because I had made commitments to the Lord so many times before. I had gazed upon the beauty of the Lord and the goodness of God and what it would be like to be a good person, a godly person person and over and over again i had said i want that i wish i could do that and i had attempted to try that and every one of my attempts ended up in in utter failure and what was happening is every time i attempted that on my own strength and in my own understanding 
my heart was becoming harder and harder and harder because I was convincing myself that it could not work for me. And I don't know if you know anybody like this. There's some people out there that just says, you know, I can't be saved. I'm just one of those that can't be saved. It, it can't work for me. And I was coming, I was going down that road because of all of the attempts I had made to walk in it without doing the simple thing that God wanted me to do, which was to surrender, to stop trying, to let him be Lord and be, be what he is and do what only he can do. Um, so anyway, I think Advent is a really important time for us to bring to conclusion a whole year I don't know about you, again, but um, a lot of times when I get to this time of the year, I say to the year before, good riddance. Anybody feel like that? Everybody, anybody ever had a hard year? I mean, so I have had some years that were just like great outstanding years, blessing on blessing on blessing. None of them are void of, um, of challenges or dif- disappointments or, or, or hurts or any of that, but there have been some that in the balance you weigh it and you say a lot of better things have happened than and worse things have happened, but a lot of times it's just like, man, thank God I'm moving this way and not that way, right? <laughs> thank God that that's over, you know, and that there's hope. There's always hope before us because glory is always in front of us. No matter where you are, your best days are always in front of you if you're a believer because glory is ahead of us, right? Our reward is ahead of us, right? Being face-to-face with our Savior Jesus Christ is ahead of us, regardless of how many hurdles we have to go over to get to get to them so i just think that advent is a great way to wrap up a year and just gaze before us at the goodness of god and the glory of god and the christmas story is just fraught with i don't know if fraught is the right word that kind of sounds negative but it's just filled with examples of the spirit invading the the natural right there's probably no other story another other part of this story where angels are so prominent in this right would you would anybody like to see an angel oh, man i would wouldn't you yeah and like the kids had answered they're answering they're like oh yeah you know the adults are just like oh no i'm good i don't need to see an angel right but that's there was a reason for that there was a reason for this because this was a really big event in heaven where they're from and also there was a lot of things that needed to be communicated to the people who were the subject or the, the, the participants in this story. And so God sent some heavenly messengers um, to them. But as you can see, that doesn't solve all the problems. That doesn't answer all the questions. Just because an angel shows up doesn't mean that you get complete insight as to everything that's going on, right? It's filled with those. So it starts with Zechariah because the whole story of Jesus starts with John the Baptist. So it starts with John the Baptist's father. And what happened with John the, ba- uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, and his wife, um, Elizabeth, um, might not qualify as a miracle. But because we know what the angel said, we know that it was of God. There's nothing more natural than two people, you know, in a loving relationship, finding out that they're expecting there's nothing more natural than that unless they happen to be in their later you know years and then it's like sometimes a surprise and sometimes you know a shock and sometimes not exactly what they were expecting and Zechariah was ministering before the Lord as his job was he's a priest and he's ministering before the Lord and suddenly what he didn't expect is he had company in there because what he was doing is is um is really dangerous 
He was ministering before the Lord on behalf of the people. And the, the, um, the Old Testament, the law says over and over again, if he does this, he will die. If he does this, he will die. If he doesn't do it just right, if that priest doesn't wear the right clothes and say the right things and approach in the right way and, and be, um, uh, have his own sins uh, dealt with before he approaches God, he could die. And I'm thinking Zechariah doesn't really know what's going on, but he could have been thinking, is this it? You know, <laughs> did I overstep? You know, is this, am I fixing to, you know, fixing to, to you know, take the big step? And, uh, but the angel talked to him and he said, you're, you and your wife are going to conceive and they're going to have a son. And Zechariah's response to that apparently um, required something of him. And the angel told him, you will not speak until after this child is born. Now, I'm not, I've, I've read it and I've compared it. And Mary's reaction and Zechariah's reaction are not that different. The words that they use, I mean, we can read things into it because we know that it was, something was different about it. But the words that they use, the way that the Bible describes, it said that, um, uh, that Zechariah uh, wondered, and it says that Mary wondered greatly. Or no, Zechariah was troubled, but Mary was troubled greatly. So that's pretty much the same thing. I think it was this. When Jesus, just before Jesus um, uh, went to the cross, um, he was talking to his disciples and he says, I have things to say to you that you can't bear now. And I think that's where Zechariah was. There was things that were being said to him and there were things that he was going to experience that he was not up for yet. And he just needed to keep his mouth shut. There were things that he might have said or done um, speaking that might have been overstepping and God was just like, you know what? I just want you in neutral is what I want. Okay, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you're going to do what you do. you're going to do. You have a job to do here. It's not that bad. And uh, and and, and I'm going to just keep you quiet for a while. You just chill and you don't you don't get to talk about this at all. This big event that's happened to you and is going to happen to you. So Zechariah was one. Elizabeth um, was a, another one. Uh, and then we hear the story of Mary that we're going to talk about today. Mary and Joseph. Um, that was, a, a, you know, one of the great um, uh, aspects of this story. Um, and this is, this is not just a story. This is not just a tale. This is not, uh, in Peter, he says, you didn't follow um, cleverly designed myths and fables, something like that. This is not just a fable. This is not just a morality tale. This is history. This actually happened. And you may have heard people talk about it like, you know, do you think that Mary was really a virgin when she, you know, when, when Jesus was conceived? We know better than that, don't we? Well, we think we do. We think we know everything. We think everything works this way until God steps in. And he steps in for a reason to do something that we can't explain and we can't understand. And it shows something to us. It proves something to us. He's very judicious with that. Right? He set these laws in motion that we all live under, the law of gravity, you know, where you can't walk on water, right? But he also has the opportunity or the, the, the authority to suspend those laws for his own purposes at any time that he wants to. But he doesn't suspend them very often because he likes them that way. He likes the law of gravity. He doesn't want things being floating off into space, right? He, he, can, uh, he can do that at any time, but he set these things. He has set the world in order for a reason and so he doesn't suspend that often right when he does it's a big deal it's a big event there's a there's a really big reason for it and it's not just to give us chills and goosebumps 
And then we move forward from there. Mary and Joseph, now they're in on the whole thing. Um, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah are in on the whole thing. And then John the Baptist is born. And then Je- Je- uh, Zechariah, you know, gets his, word, his speech back. And we see one reason why God might have wanted him to keep quiet. Because he is full of things to say. And they're all awesome. And they've all been seasoned in this time before John the Baptist came where he was given wisdom and insight into what John the Baptist was going to be and what he was going to do. Not only that, but um, Elizabeth had a role in Mary's um, formation and preparation because of the things that she said to her and, and the things that Mary says. And so we're, we're coming out now. We're coming to the whole thing. And then we come to something that is very natural. And uh, we're all fixing to experience it. Um, we experience it every year that ends in a zero. And that's a what? Not leap year, no. Not, that's a good, good, good guess. But the census, right? There's nothing more natural or governmental than the census where they can command you to do stuff and they, they, t- they tell everybody you have to go to this certain place and do this. This natural thing that's happening, this worldly thing that's happening, this governmental thing that's happening, and God has a purpose in that to bring them to a place that they were from or that, that the, um, the lineage of, Je- of uh, Jesus came from, but they, they were strangers there. And he brings them to this place and they, no surprise, they have no place there. They don't have any place to stay. They haven't been in touch with long-lost relatives, right? And everybody that's in the lineage of David is coming, converging on the same place. How many hotels do you think they had there? I mean, they're not used to having a big crowd like this. And then suddenly they've got this big crowd. Mary and Joseph are coming. She is, you know, hugely pregnant and probably riding on a donkey or something like that. Maybe walking. They did a lot of walking back then. But anyway, they come to this place. They have no place to stay. There's no place in the inn. And somebody finds them just, you know, like a place where they keep the animals. And they say, you can go there. And that's where Jesus is born. That doesn't sound like a miracle. That sounds like an anti-miracle, doesn't it? We think miracles, something good's going to (laughs) happen. But actually, it was a miracle because that was the way that the God of the universe chose to be born. In the lowest of the low. I don't know where you were born. I don't know what your story is. But if you have the story that you were actually born in a barn and, and laid in a, in a tr- feed trough, that's a pretty big story. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody ever known anybody like that? Right? You would not say that that's a privileged person. And that's the God of the universe becoming human. And it says so much about him says so much about God. Doesn't say a whole lot about Jesus necessarily because Jesus didn't choose this. Jesus is just born here, right? But between Jesus and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit, they have all said this is the way that it's going to happen. This is, this is the way I will enter into the world that I created. And at the same time, across the world, there are magi, which is our short word for uh, magician, it means the same thing. Um, if you read in Daniel or if you read in um, uh, several other books in the Bible, Joseph, um, uh, uh, the story of Joseph, um, magicians figure prominently in these things. These are guys that in one, one story in uh, Daniel, um, the king has a dream and he calls in all the magicians and he says, didn't you say interpret my dream? He said, tell me what my dream was and then interpret my dream and if you don't, you die. How would you like to be in that position? 
That's what these guys are. These are, these are magi. They are magicians. And that's what they're in. They're in touch with the natural world, but they're also in touch with the spiritual world. Um, and they have records of things that have happened. So I'm sure that Daniel, in, in, uh, in the place that they were carried off into, um, um, into bondage, they had a record of Daniel because he made a really big splash. And these guys took note of these things and they had their own sacred books and their own sacred writings. Um, and, the, and Daniel would have figured prominently. He would have been one of those guys that they looked at and they said, this guy had the goods. The king said that about him. The king said the God of Daniel is the God of the universe. So we, they got this big reputation going and these guys half a world away see signs in, in, the, um, in the heavenlies. And I don't know what it all looked like. I don't know how it all looked. It's probably that they were astrologers and they saw something happen in an area of the heavens that pertained to Israel. But whatever it was, however they interpreted it, they interpreted it correctly. And they said there's a king that is born in Israel and they got on their camels, I guess, camels or whatever they rode, maybe horses, but they got moving. They, they said, we're not just going to stay here. We saw something that fills us with awe and wonder and expectations and we've got to see it. And so they're coming. Nobody told Mary and Joseph these guys were coming. They don't even know Mary and Joseph, so they can't send a letter ahead, right? It's a little surprise for them that God has in store. And at the night that Jesus was born, apparently there were what is probably the lowest form of people that take care of livestock, right? Maybe goat herders might be a little bit lower than a sheep herder, but you know, there's nothing romantic about being, you know, a shepherd, a sheep herder. It's nasty work. It's hard work. Um, you know, you don't have a whole lot of prestige for being a shepherd. It's, uh, it's just grunt work is what it is. And these guys are out in the, in, the, in the hills doing grunt work. But you know what? God loves shepherds. One of his favorite people on the face of the earth that's ever lived was a shepherd. And his son called himself the great shepherd. And from being a shepherd myself, I can tell you, it is grunt work. It is hard. You know, it is, it is just hard work sometimes, you know. But God's heart is so much that way. And he chose to appear. He chose for these, a heavenly, not just an angel like Mary and Joseph saw, but a heavenly host appearing. And they were either saying or singing, they were proclaiming, Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Peace and goodwill to men. And they said to him, in the city of David, this day is born to you a Savior. And his name is Christ the Lord. His name is, is Jesus. And he will save his people. And what did they say? They said, we've got to see this. You see, it's a season of wonder. And I ask you at the very beginning, are you sensing that? Are you feeling that today? And I'm not just talking about during the Christmas season. I'm talking about in your relationship with God, in your relationships in the body of Christ. Are you feeling that same sense of awe and wonder? Because I think it's essential. I think it's essential for us to, to have something that is above supernatural, above the natural. Something that gives us not just a... Uh, not just to witness something, but to be a part of something that is just not natural. We're just not going through the motions and just doing our obligation and our duty. You see what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot to be said for doing your duty. 
There is. And that, that's something that I think we're raising a generation that have forgotten how to do that. And I think there's a lot to that. But listen, if duty is all there is to life, it's a very empty life. That's a hard life. There's got to be more to our relationship with God than going through the motions and doing our duty. There's got to be a sense of being completely carried along by the tide, by the rising river of His goodness and His glory and His grace. That we are doing, not just attempting things, but we are accomplishing things in the kingdom of God that are beyond us. They can't be explained in natural terms. Okay, so that's my introduction. It's not just a cleverly designed fable. It's not just a, like a myth that somebody made up. It's been attested to and it's been, um, it's been witnessed to. It's been verified by supernatural miracles like the ones that we read about um, in the Christmas story. It's not just a figment of somebody's imagination. Spiritual things are not people's imagination on overdrive. Spiritual things are of a completely different realm. And listen, signs and wonders are designed to show us not just the existence of the spiritual world, but of the predominance of the spiritual world. It's not just that something out, exists out there, but that it has authority over this instead of this having authority over that. That when, it, when, the, when the heavens break for just a second and the clouds part and you see that there is a spiritual reality, you realize that that spiritual reality is super to this, above this. It's, it's more important than this. It takes precedence over this. In the line of authority, it is above this. That's what signs and wonders are designed to do, right? Because like when, when the disciples, and they're in the boat with Jesus, and they're scared that they're going to die because there's a big storm coming up, which I can tell you, these guys have seen a lot of storms before. If they think this one is the big one, then it must be a really big one. They're not, they're not overstating it. It was scary. They were really scary. And all Jesus did is he stood up, and he kind of took a look at them, and he's like, what is up with you guys you know and then he turned and he spoke to the wind and the waves and they quieted down and what did they say when they saw that mary said what child is this i mean mary said um how can this be they said who is this that he has authority that's what it was about authority over the wind and the waves that's what the sign is about remember jesus when the um when they lowered the guy um through the roof um, that was paralyzed and and when and when he comes in front of jesus um jesus says to him your sins are forgiven and of course it starts a big squabble you know what didn't i mean the pharisees love to squabble about all kind of stuff but it started a big squabble among the pharisees they're like who is this what man is this what child is this that he ha that he thinks he has authority to forgive sins and so jesus did a little he explained what he was doing he was saying what is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk. Which one is easier to say? Trick question, isn't it? Because anybody can say anything. But do you have the authority to do that? I can say your sins are forgiven. Do I have the authority to do that? But in order that you might believe, I will say this. Stand up, take up your bed, and walk. And he did that. And, but the only reason why he did that is for Jesus to prove the predominance of the spirit world over the natural world. 
to prove his authority in the natural world that he has from his spirit from the spirit world it's not just to give goosebumps even though we get goosebumps from it something's wrong with you if you don't get some goosebumps from something like that but it's so that they will know that the kingdom of heaven is right here it's right here it's drawn it's come upon you today it's not some figment of somebody's imagination and it's not some distant event but it's right here and it's right now that's what it's about when paul describes himself he he always describes himself not in every letter but he regards himself he describes himself this way in several letters he says he's an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god by the will of god God sovereignly made him an apostle. Paul didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, you know, I think I'd like to be an apostle and just declare himself that and start to throw his weight around and do what he could do, you know, to make himself an apostle. He was a, he was a passive, um, willing, you know, vessel of the Lord. And he, was, he had one of those experiences, didn't he? On the road to, um, uh, on the road to um, uh, Damascus, um, and there was a bright light, and it knocked him to the ground, and a voice spoke to him from that light and said, you know, why are you persecuting me? Paul had one of those experiences. Would you like to have one of those experiences? I mean, that's what people think. I don't have a testimony. You know, it's just like I was raised in church, and, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord, and I don't have a testimony. You don't understand. That is a testimony. That's your testimony that God's idea was, not your idea. He's an apostle of God. God made him an apostle. So when they attacked his apostleship, he could be chill about it. I mean, he went off on them, no doubt about that. But it wasn't to defend himself, like, I don't know if I'm a real apostle, you know. But he's like, I am an apostle. I am. It's not my choice. It's God's choice. I'm just a willing vessel. I'm just willingly walking in it. Because he's seen what he's seen, and he can't walk away from it. can't deny it. And in the same way, we are in that same position. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born, right? Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And Jesus, when he talked to, to, to um. Nicodemus, he wasn't intentionally trying to be obtuse. He, he wasn't like, you know, talking in riddles. He was saying as clearly and simply as he possibly could, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said the same thing, right? How can this be? Same thing that Mary said, how can this be? I can tell you how it can be. It works just like conception. When you are intimate with God, Something is conceived. Something new is birthed. When you come to that place of submission, willingly submitting yourself and willingly touching the heart of God and Him touching your heart, when you are, when you are in that place, something otherworldly happens that is beyond, that cannot be explained just with, I you know, just decided to follow Jesus. Something happens, something comes to life that was not alive before and nicodemus couldn't get it he couldn't get it it was it was a confusing conversation i'm sure it was um, you know a little um, d disappointing for both of them 
He comes and he's like this young rabbi who's doing all these great things and amazing things. And we know that you're from God uh, and all of that. And then Jesus says these things that sound like riddles and they're not riddles. They just have to be spiritually discerned. And Jesus is just like, I can't explain it any better than this. (laughs) I can't can't say it any plainer. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And I'm not sure if John is referring to this here, but there was an experience that John had at one point in his life, and this is before Jesus went to the cross, that Peter and James and John all had. And Peter brings it up in his second letter, I think it is, um, in the same way. And he's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus, standing before them, he's their rabbi, they have great respect for him, he does amazing things, and all of this, and then suddenly, it's gone up a notch. And his clothes turn not just white, but brilliant and shine brighter than the noonday sun. And then he's standing there with these two guys, the law and the apostles, Moses and uh, Elijah, um, the, the law and the prophets. And this is their regular guy. This is their teacher. They, they, I shouldn't say regular guy. They have him, you know, they have great respect for him, but they've never seen him like this. Neither of you and neither have I. And they were transformed by it. And I think that's what John is talking about here when he said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Are you guys following me today? Or am I just like so amazed at this stuff I'm babbling? (laughs) Stick with me, okay? I'm not necessarily linear, okay? I'm not going to be confined by that linear thinking. I'm just kidding with you. I know it's good, but. Anyway, so Mary asked the question, how shall these things be? And you remember what the angel answered? Um, Philip just read it a little bit earlier today. What did the angel say to her? Did he say like this, like you might say to your kids, you can't understand it. It's going to happen. Just don't worry about it. But he didn't say that, did he? What did he say? The Spirit will come upon you, and the glory of God will overshadow you. Two things that happen to everyone that is born of the Spirit. Everyone that is born of the Spirit. This is how Jesus was physically conceived, but this is how people are born again into the kingdom of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so look, when I got saved, I knew that I could not walk this walk unless there was a supernatural element to it. And yeah, I mean, I mean that I needed to see something supernatural happen. And I did. I saw healings. I have seen healings throughout my walk with the Lord from time to time, all the time. One thing I know about healing is it does, He doesn't do it on command. I wish, I wish to God that was part of the whole plan, but He doesn't do it on command. He says, ask what you, whatever you want in my name, and whatever you ask for, you will have. Some people teach that like it's a blank check, but it's not. It's the opposite of that. It's you writing God a blank check. It's you writing God a blank check. 
And you're saying whatever you want is what I want. I give up all of my right to myself. I give up whatever you ask from me, I will give to you. And he says in that, in that relationship, if I tell you to pray for somebody to heal, they'll be healed. That doesn't mean that we can't pray if we don't know, because I pray all the time, and I ask all the time, and I believe all the time, but it doesn't always work. It only works when it is His will, when He has that in mind, when that's the best thing that He can do. And if you understand what I'm saying, sometimes this signs and wonders can trip us up. Sometimes it can, we get so infatuated with that. We get so infatuated with seeing things that we've never seen or seeing things that can't be explained. And you know what God's interested in? He's interested in faith. He's interested in faith. He's not interested in people pursuing. Like the crowds came to him one time and said, you know, do a miracle. And he said, all you want to do is see a miracle. All you're thinking about is the bread, you know, fish and the bread that I broke for you. You know, you guys, I'm so much more than that. I'm so much more than that. I'm asking for so much more than that. I think Herod asked for a sign when Jesus came to him. He was like, oh, good. You know, why don't you show me a sign? And Jesus is like, I'm not a toy, you know, I'm not just like a dog and pony show, you know. I'm after something much more important than that and much more miraculous than that. It's not just the dead being raised to life. It's people being given life. It's people being restored to their relationship. I needed something supernatural, but I didn't necessarily need to see the blind see and the lame walk. I needed to see Joe Canal invested with the divine nature of God. And I did. And I do. And that is the sign that God is truly Emmanuel, God with us. Mary had her part to play. Joseph had his part to play. The shepherds had their part to play. John the Baptist had his part to play. All God was after was this experience that is so common and so supernatural. I want to say a little bit something about um, Joseph because he has a part to play here. Mary says, Let, um, uh, behold the handmaiden of the Lord. So she said, I'm the servant of the Lord. That's what I said when I, when I put myself under his authority. I'm like, you're boss, I'm not. You, I'm serving you, you're not serving me. You are God, I am not. I am yours. I put myself under your authority. And that's what Mary said, behold the handmaiden of the Lord. And so Jesus is just like, I mean, God's just like, well, I can work with that, you know? But then there's another problem. Every time, every time something great like that happens, it creates a bunch of problems. Mark it down. If you want to write that in your Bible, you can. But every time God moves, it's going to cause problems. Because Mary's whole plans are not just sidetracked, but they are completely obliterated. Everything that she had in mind and everything that she had planned is not going to happen. Probably even where she wanted to live. Because she ends up living somewhere because of the persecution that immediately breaks out against Jesus. They don't move back to their hometown. They move to somewhere where, you know, they're not known because they're being looked for. And then there's this guy that she loves, probably. It's probably an arranged marriage, but he seems like a really good guy, and his name is Joseph. And, and um, Joseph finds out. He doesn't find out from an angel, <laughs> you know, to begin with. He finds out the way a lot of people find out is just through gossip in the town, probably, you know, that Mary, you know, is pregnant and i love this guy before jesus i just love him as the vessel that he is before god does anything god carefully chooses those that he wants to bless 
with the burden of establishing the kingdom of God. And you remember the story about Joseph? It said Joseph was, what, how did it describe him? He was a what man? A, an honorable man, a just man. This means that Joseph took the law seriously. Joe was, Joseph was a practicing Jew in heart. He wasn't just going through the motions, but he loved God. He loved God. And to the best of his understanding and the best of his ability, he was doing the right thing. And when he found out that this woman that he was betrothed to was pregnant, not by him, guys, what does that mean? I mean, if you're half a man and you find out that that's what's going on, that's bad news. And if you have the ability to hurt that person, just to make sure that everybody knows you don't approve of this and you're not, you're not going to be walked on and you're not going to be treated like this, you come down as hard as you can on her and the other guy if you know who he is or if you can get to him, right? But you will not associate yourself with this person. You will not let that sully your reputation and your character and all of that. But Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph doesn't react in such a way that he takes out the full letter of the law on her because he could have, but he doesn't. What does he do? He decides that he will put her away quietly, privately, and not let this matter be something that brings dishonor to him or necessarily to her. That is such a beautiful picture of someone who understands the, the, um, the, the true spirit of the law. To love God and love people. God, when, when Jesus was contending with the Pharisees, he says, go and read the scriptures and tell me what this means. I desire what? Mercy. And that's what Joseph was doing. Joseph got it. And I believe that was one reason why God already knew what kind of vessel he was dealing with there. And so after these things, after Joseph had already decided to put her away, put her away um, quietly, before he knew the whole story, he proved his character. He proved that he was a man of God in the sense that God wanted him to be a man of God. And then God came and told him the good news. Have you seen the nativity, the movie, the nativity? It's a, it's a, it's a live, I mean, it's a, it's a, um, it's a dramatization of, of this story. The most touching part of that whole movie is when Joseph comes to Mary and says, I'm going to marry you. Because Joseph was just asleep one night, and he had this dream. And I don't know if it was the same angel or what, but it was an angel that came to him in the dream and said, don't be afraid to take Mary for your wife, because what is conceived of her is what? From God, from the Spirit, is by the Spirit. She has not been unfaithful to you. She has not, she has not betrayed you. She has not dishonored you. In fact, you are being honored with the greatest honor that any man on the face of the earth could be honored with is that God has chosen you to father his child. Because God needed somebody, because Jesus was without sin from birth, right? When he's a little bitty baby, he's not making any choices himself. His father and his mother are creating an environment where he is observing the law and he is he is applying himself to the law the little asides that are in the story of jesus about his circumcision jesus didn't say okay i'm eight days old now it's time for me to be circumcised nobody in their right mind would do that even if they could right 
<laughs> but that was his dad's decision, wasn't it? That was his mom's decision, wasn't it? Jesus didn't name himself. Jesus was named by his dad because of what God had said to name him. You see, God had to choose a vessel, and he has to choose vessels who are up for the task of cooperating with him in this incredible, amazing event. And it's what he has to do in our lives as well. All he needs is our cooperation. All he needs is faith from us. Mary and Joseph had to become a part of something that couldn't just be explained away as being some really cool story that somebody made up. She said, how can these things be? And it wasn't just a miracle that she was going to witness, but it was a miracle that she was going to experience. It's not, the kingdom of God is not coming by observation. It's not like you look at it and you say, okay, that's what's going on. It comes from within. It's a birth from within. It's a, it's a work from within. And that's what I needed to see. I needed to see something supernatural, but it wasn't something out there. It was something in here. It was something on the inside. Here's what he wants to do on the inside of us. And this is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Um, it says, His divine power has granted to us. His divine power. This is how the miracle is shown. This is how the miracle is revealed. In the essence of the miracle. His divine power is granted to us in all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You may become partakers of the divine nature. Is it 12? Is that... Somebody's alarm going off. Just about done. By which he has granted us that you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly or family affection. And all of this is crowned with love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So if you came to church and there was a guy that was lame and couldn't walk, and somebody said to him, your sins are forgiven. And then like the next day, at work, somebody's like, how was your weekend? And you, Do you think it, you would even mention that? Somebody told somebody that their sins were forgiven. But if you were at church and somebody comes in and they're lame and you say to them, stand up, push your wheelchair home. And then somebody asks you the next day, did anything happen this weekend? What, what happened this weekend? That'd be the first thing that we talked about, wouldn't it be? But which one is the greater miracle? 
Because if you are here today and you need a miracle, if you are here today and you are burdened with the shame and guilt that comes from sin, if you are here today and you're seeking these things from God, What do you want? If you're looking for a sign, I can tell you, very likely you're not going to see it. But if you're looking for not just to see a miracle, but to become a miracle. To become a miracle. To become a walking wonder. It's right here. It's available right here. And that's what he's coming for. In fact... He probably wouldn't do any tricks that would distract us from that one thing. And who among us doesn't need that and desire that and want that? That's what he wants. He doesn't want us to see things. He wants us to be something. Okay. Let me just close with this. Every year we come to this time of the year and, you know, we have... You know, mixed feelings about it. Like I was, I was saying, you know, are you sensing awe and wonder? It's probably not the top of your list of what you were experiencing. Maybe now because, you know, we've talked about it some and we kind of come to our senses and we say, you know what, that is really true, right? But every year we come to this time of year and we're overwhelmed by all of these messages and, and all that and there's nothing wrong with that. But this is the end of a year. This is the watershed of, an, of a year. This is, I mean, it's an artificial time that we mark on the calendar, but you're coming to a season when God wants to let you enter into a new year with a real fresh heart and soul. He wants you to touch the heart of God. He wants you to not be just content with what you've known. If you've drifted away from your faith, it's probably because you've become content with what you've known or you think that what you've known is all there is to it. And we haven't even begun to experience it yet. we got a member who's in hospice right now, Sam Peterson. And from the time that I've seen him over the last couple of months, physically he, is, he has gone downhill. But every time I see him, one, he had a stroke, he wasn't able to pronounce his words, and when I would go to see him, I had mixed feelings about going to see him because he struggled so much to talk, but he wanted to talk. But I didn't want to put him through that if, you know, if not necessary because he, he, he would struggle to be able to form words and all of this except one thing, and there's one thing that he kept saying over and over and over again, and he never stuttered and he never stumbled over the words, and it's this, God is good. God is good. God is good. And I said, Brother Sam, there's not anything that you could say that's better than that right there. Just that declaration over and over and over again. And the first time I saw him in hospice, he was suffering so badly with a, with a terrible headache. And this is the way he was getting through that. Barely whispering, he was saying this. He would touch his head. God is good. Until he drifted off to sleep. If that's a miracle, you guys. That's a wonder right there. That a man could be going through what he's going through and instead of becoming mute or so caught up in himself, he's still, by the Spirit, he's still connected to and extending himself to the God of the universe because he knows where he's going. 
He knows what's just beyond this veil. He knows that. Let's stand together and we're going to pray. And like I said, if you came today needing a miracle or expecting a miracle, God wants to turn that around for you a little bit and he wants you to experience him. He wants you to be the miracle and then you will see the full weight of his glory extended in your life in the way that he chooses to. Just give him a blank check this morning. Say, God, whatever you want from me, I give it to you. I put myself under your authority. Everything that I have seen indicates to me that there is a spirit world that is superior to this world. And I want to walk in that. I want to, like Peter, walk on water. I want to do things that I can't do by your invitation because you have called me. You've called my name. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit's doing an inner work in your heart right now. He knows where you are. He knows what you do. And He loves you so much and He wants to redeem your heart so much. If you're troubled, He wants to bring only the peace that only He can give. If you're brokenhearted, if you're brokenhearted, He doesn't want somebody else to, to heal your broken heart. He wants to do it Himself. You're faced with trials or temptations. He has intended all of these things that have come into your life to draw you closer to Jesus Christ, not to crush you, not to destroy you, not to, for you to be cast down, but for you to find the real essence of joy in the face of Jesus Christ. Will you give it to him? Will you give him all of it? It doesn't make any sense to give him part of it. If any part of it is worth giving to him, it's all worth giving to him. Your life, your hopes, your dreams, your plans, your family, your finances, your friends, your relationships, your reputation, your hopes. If any of it's worth giving to him, all of it's worth giving to him. Just give it to him now. Just say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that conception happens just like this. Quiet. Sometimes we don't even know what's happened for a month. I thank you that conception happens that way. That all you're looking for is willingness and intimacy. Have that. Have that with us right now, Lord. Then you be in charge of the consequences. You be in charge of what comes next, Lord, not us. But, oh, God, I pray for, for people right now that are just going through the motions, just going through the obligations. It's commendable, Lord Jesus, at times to be like that, but it's not a good lifestyle. I pray that the, the dawning glory of your presence would overshadow them, Lord, and that the spirit within them would become active and be stirred up within them, Lord. That the emotion that should go with being your child would return to their hardened hearts, Lord. 
that the joy that this world so much tries to depress and suppress, Lord, would return, not like it used to be, but in greater measure, in greater measure. That their sensitivity to your spirit, to the voice of your spirit and the urgings and, and, and desires of your spirit and the pr your presence, Lord, that they, even in their, their darkened understanding and even in maybe their hearts have been seared, Lord, their conscience has been seared. I pray for a healing to begin there, Lord Jesus. The joy would well up when they don't even expect it. Maybe when they're just driving down the road and they think about you. And they think about you. They think about you. And your spirit draws near they feel your presence, God. And that makes everything else fade away. Everything from the whole dark world fade away. That your bright morning star would dawn upon them, Lord. They would be drawn into your presence. Drawn in or drawn back. You do either one so well. So well. Sweet. 
I just pray, Lord, that we would be experiencing the awe and wonder of children, uh, Lord, at this time. That we would see, Lord Jesus, what we have taken for granted. Uh, that you would soften our hearts, Lord Jesus, and help, help, us, help us, Lord Jesus, to, um, to expect again, to, to uh, anticipate again, Lord. I pray especially for those of us that are old like me, Lord, that have seen a lot and maybe think we've seen it all. God, I pray that this would be a season, Lord, where all of those assumptions would be blown away. Give us pure hearts, Lord. Give us sensitive hearts, Lord. Give us willing hearts, Lord, to do your will. And you said our latter days will be greater than our former days. And I know that has to do with glory, but I also know, Lord Jesus, you intend for the wisdom that we've um, accumulated, Lord, for the abilities that we've accumulated, Lord, the, the benefits that come with age, um, you intend, Lord, to use those things in greater capacities in the kingdom of God than you ever have before. And I pray you would raise our expectations, Lord. Thank you for it. And help us, Lord. I pray that for the families, Lord, that have little kids, and especially those um, who are just experiencing this for the first or second or third time, um, that this would be a season of great awe and wonder as they contemplate the baby, Jesus, the gift that you gave the world and gave to them. I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Fail me now, you won't fail.